Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and we are joined by our regular co-hosts. Uh, we have Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello. Hello. And uh, our other regular co-host has uh, an announcement that she would like to make, so why don't you go ahead with that? Yes. Uh, hello. You may remember me as Tori or Tori Wasana on here. Um, just part of my journey in identity i've also taken on the name sylvia and i'll be going by that from now on uh or you can call me sil or sylvie whatever you like just don't call me late for dinner (laughs) (laughs) all right we will do our very best to remember to address you by that name and uh we don't mean anything by it if we forget it's just habit we'll sound an (laughs) alarm if it if you get it wrong klaxons go off all right, so let's move on with our latest Switch news. So three games have been added to the Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, the basic tier, the the cheaper $20 a year tier, uh, Congo's Caper and Rival Turf for Super NES. Rival Turf has just a, a truly embarrassing box art that they've put on there. And uh, Pinball for NES, the uh, incredibly boring, unthemed pinball game for NES is now playable if, you know, if you're really hard up for pinball. But, you know, Pinball FX3 is on Switch, and it's a free download. You could just get that instead. <laughs> you have a much better pinball game, just saying. When I uh, added this to the research, I was very much looking uh, forward to how you personally pronounce the console names. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a long-settled thing on here. Yeah, because in the UK, it's um, SNES and NES. <laughs> so when someone says Super NES, my brain always goes, what? <laughs> For, like, two seconds. They're so acronyms. You, you say each letter in an acronym. Nah. SNES just seems so much easier. <laughs> SNES or SNES? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a... We've already gone through this several times on the show, and we've just decided to just... <laughs> <laughs> live and, and let, let live. die <laughs> oh uh the genshin impact pr team says the switch port is still in development but does anybody care at this point no 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 <laughs> i enjoyed the game for a mm. while but it, like we were saying last episode the whole live service game thing yeah. this took over my life and i had to force myself to stop <laughs> Yeah, because if you don't know what Genshin Impact is, it's it's kind of like Breath of the Wild. There's there's some notable differences, but uh, the the elevator pitch it, it's Breath of the Wild as a live service game. Yeah, it's at Breath of the Wild plus live service plus anime plus gacha <laughs> game. Yeah, the gacha is where it loses me. Like as soon as I found out this game had gacha mechanics, I was like, nope. nope. As far as gacha mechanics go, this game was by far one of the better ones mm. but yeah, i think the, the main problem is when you get like an adventure level and there's like a certain point where it gets ridiculously hard to actually improve that at any point without feeling like you need to spend actual money like they deliberately make it really difficult and that's when i was just kind of like oh no 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 more no more time into this yeah it got a bit grindy for sure hmm very pretty game though it'll look like crap on the switch yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> i imagine that's why it's been taking so long because uh they announced it 
the year the game came out that there was a Switch port in development, but it's been several years now with no news and nothing to show for it. So I expect they're having a really difficult time getting it to run and look good or <laughs> not be a slideshow. A game like this would need frame rate over anything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It is is one of the more skill-based mobile games that I've played. It definitely takes a lot of um, reflexes and dodging and and the like. It really does feel like a very well-tuned combat. So if that gets affected by Switch performance, then yeah, it's not going to be fun. It is interesting that it's primarily a mobile game, but I wonder if, you know, since it's on a video game console, if they're trying to make it a little more like the console versions versus just, you know, the mobile version, which you'd think there wouldn't be as much difficulty getting a mobile game to run on Switch because it's basically the same hardware. Well, this is also out on PC and PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think it really is more of a making it run well on Switch specifically because it's mobile, but at this point in time, worse. Oh, and I should have bundled this with the last Nintendo Switch Online news, but oh well. Uh, Kirby 64 has a pretty significant game-breaking bug that's occurring in water levels. Um, I hadn't actually heard about this. Uh, could you tell us? the details of that rosalie yeah it was just um a lot of people were posting about it on twitter where there's like a soft lock if i'm using Mm. that term correctly where kirby will basically just freeze only in water levels but the weird thing is that this didn't exist in the original release of the game which i find interesting because allegedly that the games that are on like the nintendo 64 library and so on are very similar files to the ROMs that you would find if you happen to get them in ways that you might not on the internet before. So it's weird that there's things that are occurring via their emulation process. Mm-hmm. But they're saying that they're going to patch it. But the the videos, if you can find them, are pretty funny. I started to play it myself and I haven't gotten that far. I've just been kind of in and out. It's a good thing the safe states exist. Make use of them because <laughs> you never know when this is going to happen when it comes to... Uh, emulation official or not yeah there's been a lot of criticism of the nintendo 64 emulator this is the latest bit of bad press it's gotten which is probably Mm -hmm. not great for for nintendo and trying to sell this more expensive online service because this was like the big selling point for it i think was nintendo 64 games but the emulator is not great no okay and a patch will be coming out for that next week Let's move on with uh, what we played this week. Uh, I'll start out. Uh, This week I played Ghost Runner, which came out just about a year ago on Switch, and and I played the demo for it, and I was pretty impressed with the demo, which is why I bought the physical version, and then it sat on my shelf for a year until I finally got around (laughs) to playing it. I had a really good time with Ghost Runner for the most part. It's set in kind of a cyberpunk future there's been some catastrophe called i think it's called the burst uh that has rendered the planet unlivable the only surviving bits of humanity live in this technological thing called the tower which is run by computers and machines and and the humans have their own little city in there but uh, they are being menaced currently by this person called the key master who 
over the tower from its original creator. And you play as the Ghost Runner, who is one of these elite group of warriors that were originally working for the original builder of the tower called the Architect. They were all wiped out for the most part by the Keymaker when she, or by the Keymaster when she took over the tower. And you are the last surviving one. You were discovered by some humans who rebuilt you to the best of their abilities. You're back in working order, but you're kind of glitchy, and basically you've been given humanity is how that works. So there's a whole tension running through the game of you taking orders from the architect versus this human who helped to repair you. And that's the, that's the main thrust of the plot is are you a machine or are you a human? And it's pretty basic cyberpunk stuff. It's not groundbreaking, but it kept me engaged as I played through the game because the game itself is just running through levels as the ghost runner using your abilities. And this is a parkour game, a lot like Mirror's Edge, but a lot more action-packed and focused on violence. Uh, you can wall run, you can air dash. A cool ability is when you're in midair, you can actually slow down time and then slide to the left and right and that's the main way you get past enemies that are firing at you and you also have a grappling hook you can pull yourself up to specific targets uh, but really sets the game apart from mirror's edge is you do have a katana which you can use to slice up enemies enemies in the game are called keys because they are literally walking electronic locks to the door you need to get to so you have to kill every key in the room for the door to unlock and you can continue on and it's a super fast, super fluid motion, but the downside is one hit and you're dead. But the upside is uh, there are instant reloads, which is really nice. So you can fail as many times as you need to, and you will never be punished by a long loading screen because you just you're immediately right back in with the press of a single button, even on Switch, which is great. Uh, there are a number of assists built into the game because this is quite a difficult game, uh, and you can make it so that way there's faster focus regeneration, so you can use your your special abilities uh, more often. There's a two hits mode where you can get hit twice before you die instead of just once. And you can also just outright slow down the, the speed the entire game plays at. I managed to play the entire game uh, without the assists on. Didn't have too bad a time. There were some definite disparity in the levels in terms of length and also difficulty. Uh, some of the levels, uh, even a majority of the levels, I finished in 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, then there were a handful of them that took me over an hour to finish, and I died more than 150 times trying to do them. And that includes the final levels, which really just drug down the entire game for me. This was a, I was going to say this was a great game until I got to the final levels, which are absolutely horrendous. Uh, and they are so bad, they just drag the entire game down to just merely being average but there's one level it's does that late game thing where it's just giant rooms filled with every enemy type you face so far and you've got to kill them all it's just a gauntlet of not fun stuff that i had to slog through didn't enjoy a single moment of it the last level is just a total platforming level and this was the only level in the game where i had difficulty with the wall running because of some unique mechanics that only exist in this last level and also uh, the level is full of these basically red balls of death, which they make sense in the context of the level, but still it's a little ridiculous that you've been playing the entire game fighting off you know, actual humans shooting at you with guns, and then in the last level, as you're racing to the ending, your main threat is 
balls that kill you when you touch them. <laughs> and there's one sequence in there that is basically Frogger. So, like, I, I, in the climax, I'm fighting over the soul of a man and the future of humanity, and I, I'm playing Frogger. <laughs> it was <laughs> ridiculous. It was not a good ending to an otherwise good game. Uh, the Switch port is pretty good. Uh, I have few complaints about it in terms of performance. It, it only runs at 30 FPS, whereas on the other platforms, it's at 60 FPS, and, you know, in a high-speed, you know, parkour game, 60 FPS, it just looks better and it feels better, but... I, I didn't have any problems actually interacting with the game. Uh, they didn't lower the entire screen resolution to make the game work, but you can tell the textures are lower res. And some of the character models, you can see some jagged edges uh, around some of the polygons. It's, it's otherwise runs very well. It's just not looking as good as it does on other platforms, which is probably the best compromise you can get out of a Switch port. I enjoyed Ghost Runner, except for those last few levels. Like that, That's really the only thing that keeps me from getting it a total recommendation. It's just just how bad those last couple levels were. But uh, I admire Ghost Runner for what it's trying to be. Oh, I was just going to ask the controls, because we've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the controls on console too finicky to play effectively but uh, you didn't seem to have any trouble with them at all. I did kind of feel that in the demo. That was the main thing I was worried going in. Was like, I, I played the demo, and I, I thought the game ran well, which is all I was really worried about. I knew, like, just with as precise as you have to be with the aiming and with the movement in this, that playing with a a mouse and a keyboard just lets you move the character's perspective in first person so much better that it would just be a better experience playing that way. I knew that, but I, I just prefer playing games on consoles versus PC, so I, that was a trade-off I was willing to make. And I definitely felt playing in the demo that aiming with precision was more difficult than I, I it probably should be. But I got through the whole game in a couple sessions. It's, it's like a 10-hour game. It's not too long. Uh, without too many problems like there's a really generous hitbox on most enemies you just kind of have to be well you have to be close when you're swinging your katana you don't have to be looking right at them if you're just near them and swing the katana it'll kill them it's pretty generous i didn't have any complaints about that there are a few puzzle sequences where you have a shuriken power up that you pick up and you have to use them to shoot these rather small electronic ports that are powering something you have to power down uh, that was the hardest part because, you know, getting the shuriken power-up, which runs on a limited timer, and then you have to shoot the electrical conduits and then make it to the door that they open up before the conduits turn back on. That was probably the hardest part of the game in terms of platforming because the precision aiming with the shurikens and, and the speed that the character moves at and the stiffness of how the character rotates when you're using the right joystick was quite challenging uh probably probably in terms of control the, the worst experience i had in this game i still managed to struggle through just fine uh it just took a few more attempts than it probably would have with the mouse yeah i just remember a lot of the functions being assigned to like the bumpers and triggers mm -hmm. and it was struggling to multitask with those functions i can't remember what they are it's been a while but everything is on the shoulder buttons you don't really use the face buttons except to respawn the character 
and maybe to do one or two other things. But yeah, everything's on the shoulder buttons. I, I personally, I didn't have a problem. Like I, I don't have an explanation for that. I just, I just didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. No, it's just it's one of the games I keep getting confused with another game because there's Ghost Runner and there's mm-hmm. Ghost Wire Tokyo and they're oh, yeah, both yeah. first person <laughs> and they they share some similar aesthetics. But this is the one that's more cyberpunk esque, mm-hmm. is it? And the other one's the horror Japan one. <laughs> yeah, the, that one's about yokai, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just the similar names and they're both. I just always get them confused. Um, but I think one's only on the PS5, but Ghost Runner's on multiple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very different games aside from right. <laughs> the, the titles, and you know, <laughs> cyberpunk is just run through with that whole. Not really Japanese aesthetic, but, you know, a Western idea of what Japan is. That's kind of mm-hmm. what cyberpunk is built on as a genre. Mm-hmm. So there are some similarities in that sense. But I would imagine Ghostwire is a much more authentic uh, representation of Tokyo than the very uh, surface level you know, Asian culture represented in, in Ghost Runner, because you do run through an area that looks a lot like the city from Blade Runner. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, which is very, you know, neon Chinatown kind of look. <laughs> okay, and uh, Rosalie, you've been playing Yuppie Psycho Executive Edition. Why don't you yeah. tell us about that? So, um, Yuppie Psycho is a survival horror game. Uh, developed mm-hmm. by Baroque Decay, who previously did the game Count Lucinor. Not sure if it's pronounced oh, yeah, Lucinor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've probably seen that on the online sale stores quite a lot because it was kind of heavily marketed when it came out. Yeah, I played that one. Yeah, this is a really cool game. If you're really into like your survival horror and you don't mind the very limited um, graphics, <laughs> um, it uses a really simple... Uh, graphical style where there's not many like pieces that make up the characters but the dialogue um boxes have these really beautiful highly detailed sprite work of the characters so it kind of like balances it out you play as a character called brian pasternick and it's his first day and his first job for this kind of creepy company known as sintra corp there's always there's this kind of eerie undertone going on as you start the game you meet an elevator and you're meant to go up and sign your contract for the job and when you come off the elevator to sign the contract, you follow this trail of blood uh, that the character you play as, Brian, kind of goes, oh, must be paint, <laughs> to kind of ease himself. You follow up to the desk where your contract contract is sitting, and there's this, this text written in blood, kind of dripping on the wall that says, I kill the witch. And because this is the definitive kind of version of the game, you can... Uh, there's multiple endings and you can choose to not sign the contract um but i obviously did to keep playing the game but i think there's an ending at that point but basically you're tasked with killing the witch in this big office building but you don't even know who the witch is and you kind of use the elevator to go through up different levels and there's different kind of offices and puzzles it's very much like 16-bit meets silent hill um, but there's also this cool, they kind of do the limited saving option from like Resident Evil, you know, where you used to just have your ink ribbons and you had to find a typewriter. But because this is an office setting, you have a photocopier machine and <laughs> you have to find some paper, but it's like witch paper. It's ooh, spooky. And there, you have to find some ink and you scan yourself by like photocopying like 
you know, like people used to do when they're at the office where they put their face in the photocopier machine <laughs> and it photocop it saves your soul and you just see this funny image of the protagonist like shoved up against the glass, which is pretty cool. It's not like super scary, but it, it a lot of the scenes were really kinda eerie. Um there's like minds there's not really like a combat, it's kind of like Silent Hill where there's not a combat focus. It's more sneaking and getting around things. Hmm there's boss fights but you're mainly using the environment to kind of get through them you don't have any kind of specific weapon you occasionally get um you get a limited number of pencils which can detonate mines that you find around um all the areas and it's just yeah it's just really cool there was like this bit kind of towards the start of the game where you're pushing someone's strapped to like an office chair like tied with duct tape and they can't speak and you just hear this kind of uh, and there's like a light emanating from them so you're kind of pushing them down this black eerie scary corridor to kind of see what's there and there's like dead bodies on the wall and if you go up to them you get credits which you can later use for like vending machines for like um juice for like health similar to like potions and things it's a very cool thing because it's survival horror, but it's kind of making a commentary on kind of uh, working environment and office working environment. If you've seen the TV show that came out this year called Severance, it's very similar in terms of what the commentary is trying to say about modern work, working environments. And it's really cool. Um, it's normally priced at £15 here, which I think is a bit too much because the game's fairly short. Uh, but I got it on sale for three pounds, and if you can get it on sale mm. for that, it's a absolute bargain. Especially if you like horror, uh, the artwork's really smart. If you look it up, it's all this stylized kind of green funkiness. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. But I'm a horror fan, so there's some bias there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. Uh, I'm a horror fan, so I'd like to try more horror indie stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. If you played the kind of, you know, the RPG maker horror games that were really popular a few years ago. Yeah. If Yeah, if you like them, then this feels really similar to them. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I, I was like obsessed with all the RPG maker horror stuff ages ago. And then there's kind of like stuff like Corpse Party. It, kinda, it feels a bit like that where it's a bit more kind of story driven. But yeah, I, I, yeah, it's really cool. And the this version has like an achievements on the menu and there's like a gallery and you can play the soundtrack and you can keep track of all the endings that you can get and stuff. So for like around £3, it was just an obvious purchase for me, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know if it actually applies, but your description sounds a lot to me like the uh, a game I played a couple years back called The Coma, which is a yeah. set in... Yeah, yeah. Set in a, I, a South Korean high school, and you're playing as a student who's running from monster versions of his teacher. Yeah, yeah. I actually, weirdly enough, was nearly going to play the the DLC of that, but it's like mm. the sisters or the three sisters, it's called or something. Um, instead of this, because they were both on <laughs> sale. So, but yeah, it's similar to that, but instead of like the side scrolling, it's more like a top down mm, okay. kind of um a thing to it. Um, it's really cool because you can. Uh, you've got the little elevator you can go to the cafeteria and make some coffees for your health and you always kind of have the option of like going back to like your desk and you can make coffees in the kind of your little office room as well it's like because i don't want to give too much away because a lot of it is to do with what the plot is actually about and the witch and things but if you see it on sale and you like horror and you don't mind that it's meant to look old school 
then you'd enjoy it. Mind. I prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> especially for an indie game. But no, yeah, that sounds uh that sounds interesting. And especially I didn't know it was related to the Count Lucanor, which is yeah. One of those games I, I bought but never got around to playing because <laughs> that one goes on sale for uh, a couple bucks all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's always like front and center around the sales on like every console. So I was like, when I found out it was the same people, I was like, oh, I know that. I think I've played it a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I recognize the, the like cover art constantly. So what are we playing in the coming week? Rosalie, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, I'm playing more Stardew Valley, which I of play. It, yeah, it's my comfort game. I play it a lot. I have it on multiple consoles and things. Uh, <laughs> but on my Switch file, I'm trying to, uh, because we were talking last week about how many hours that, like um, Sylvie had put into like, Team Fortress 2 and stuff. I was like, what game? What game can I show off? So I've passed 300 hours on the Switch. Oh, <laughs> nice. And I'm actively, I actively, I don't know why I'm doing, giving this to myself, but I act, actively want to get 1,000 hours on Stardew Valley on the Switch, which is easy because I have like multiple <laughs> farms where I marry multiple people. So uh-huh. my most recent one, I'm I'm about to marry Sebastian. Uh, I, I've called my farm the Goth goth farm i'm like a little goth girl farmer and all my like animals are called like rot and decay and like dark things because i've got like a monster (laughs) farm and i i'm just having a lot of fun i love stardew valley i've thought about doing multiple save files in stardew valley just so i can follow all the romance options but whenever i'm actually in the game the only person i'm interested in is abigail because oh. Abigail, Abigail is the best. <laughs> yeah, she is the cool, the cool gamer girl. I'm befriending her right now. Hmm. My my OG uh, romance option was Penny because I was like, I, I want to save you. <laughs> but Sebastian's cool. I've not romanced everybody yet, so that's probably how I can get up to my one thousand hours on the Switch. That is. Uh... As an incredible goal, and you'll definitely have to keep us up to date on on how it's coming over the over the next few years, because that's probably how long it's going to take you. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, out of context, that is an unhinged sentence. I haven't un- <laughs> romanced everybody yet, <laughs> but the quest continues. I've actually seen someone make a file because you can like, I think it came with a later update where you can divorce people. Mm-hmm, so someone mm-hmm. made a file where they marry someone, divorced them, they marry someone else, and everyone in the town like hates you. Yeah. And I just yeah. Thought, so I might do that as a file at some point because that just sounds hilarious. They introduced a witch character in a later update. Then yeah. you can actually you can give her some stuff to actually make people forget you too. So doing uh... that, you can actually get married to everybody in town if you are willing to put in the time <laughs> to do the entire romance arc and then <laughs> undo it with the forgetful potion i don't it, it's weird sylvia how about you what are you going to be playing next week uh so i, I still want to spend a bit more time with the nickelodeon the long title game mm-hmm. was it all-star brawl that's not that, that bad. sounds the right the playstation one is right. the worst one yeah yeah there's a lot of characters. Uh, I was Power playing a little bit man. with yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was playing a bit with um, Cat Dog today, and it has this mm-hmm. cool mechanic where you can swap which character is the the main character that you play as, mm-hmm. like cat or dog. It they just turn around. 
<laughs> but I really liked that the animation work for it is fantastic. The the jab animation is cat strangling dog. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Yeah. And the Panzer Dragoon remake uh, is on sale for a song right now. It's ninety percent off, which is great. Oh. And uh, that launched to pretty negative reviews a couple of years ago, uh, in spite of being a, a highly anticipated release. So I'm finally going to find out what the heck's going on with that game. So tune in for that in episode 194. Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Also be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. The links for all of these are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically and check out his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. You can follow Rosalie at Lil Record Girl on Twitter and myself, Sylvia, at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O and on twitch.tv forward slash ToriSTW.
Can you hear my cat in the background? She's getting into stuff. Hey, <laughs> it's okay. It was bound to happen to one of us because uh, my cat does the same thing. Stop it. Stop making noise. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, spooky 